he called it the eye of the hurricane. He says this little, the little sliver of land known as Israel is practically in the headlines every day. And even more so in recent weeks as the nation has been under attack. Hamas, an Iran-backed terrorist organization, fired thousands of rockets into Israel, hitting population centers. If it weren't for the Iron Dome defense system stopping 90% of those rockets, the damage would have been far worse. Let's pray that the ceasefire agreement holds. What is it about Israel, and specifically Jerusalem, that draws the focus and attention of the entire world? The answer is quite simple. It's really not. But Israel is the eye of the hurricane of the great event of the end times. God predicted this long ago. Israel occupies center stage in God's drama of the ages, and we see that playing out before our very eyes. God gave Abraham a special promise. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed, Genesis 12.3. One of the reasons that God has blessed the United States of America is because of our support of the nation Israel. It's also, be also why it's a big mistake to move away from that. Take a look at history and you'll see that it turns out badly for any nation that raises its hand against Israel or the Jewish people. Nations such as Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Rome, and in more modern times Spain and Germany have turned against Israel and paid a price. I'll remind you that uh, uh, that of the when they voted it in, uh, remember that uh, Great Britain just didn't vote. And remember who I told you the fence belongs to? Satan. See what's happened to that country since then? The city of peace. Ironically, the very name Jerusalem means city of peace, yet more wars have been fought at her gates than in any other city on earth. After the modern state of Israel was declared in 1948, a war of independence left Jerusalem divided, with Jordan maintaining control over the old city, including the Temple Mount and most of the historic sites. But during the Six-Day War of 1967, when Israel was attacked, they were able to regain control of the entire city, and for the same time in many centuries, Jerusalem was under, for the first time in many centuries, Jerusalem was under the control of the Jewish people again. And the prophetic clock was ticking. The Bible tells us that the final conflict of humanity will be fought over Jerusalem. That's why the Bible tells us to pay attention to Jerusalem and to pray for her peace. Jesus said, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. In Luke 21, 20. Speaking through the prophet Zechariah, God said, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all the peoples. That's Zechariah 12, verses 2 and 3. Today we have leaders like the president of Iran who frequently speak of wiping Israel off the map. You might dismiss this as ridiculous, but they're developing nuclear weapons in Iran right now. Therefore, Israel is in a very difficult situation, and they take these threats seriously. In Ezekiel 38, the Bible speaks of a large force known as Magog from the extreme north of Israel attacking her. And it's very clear in pointing out this will happen in the last days. 
From the scriptures, we know that Magog was the second son of Japheth. According to the Jewish historian Josephus, Magog settled north of the Black Sea. Then there were Tubal and Meshech, the fifth and sixth sons of Japheth, whose descendants settled south of the Black Sea. These people came together and were known as Magog. And in Ezekiel 39, verse 2, God says they are to the north of Israel. <clears throat> Any map today would show you that Russia sits to the extreme north of Israel. So is Russia Magog? No one can say with certainty. But there are some interesting things developing that cause us to wonder. An unlikely alliance. The Bible also mentions allies that will march with Magog against Israel. Until very recently, there was no real alliance to speak of between Russia and Iran. However, Russia recently signed a billion-dollar deal to sell missiles and other weapons to Iran. And there are a thousand Iranian nuclear scientists who have been trained in Russia by Russian scientists. So, while no one can say with absolute certainty that Magog is Russia, this much we know. A force known as Magog from the north of Israel will attack her, and when they attack, God will step in and save Israel. Five-sixths of this invading force will be turned back, and then the Holy Spirit will be poured out upon Israel, and a great revival will sweep the nation. But this cannot happen until something else happens first. God has been working on in this era, theologians call the church age, waiting to bring those last few believers in before he pours out his spirit upon Israel. The Apostle Paul spoke of this, writing, I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. So we should be very thankful, folks, to them. That's Romans 11.25. Once that person, once that last person comes to Christ, God will catch away, catch up all Christians into heaven in the rapture. Then he will pour out his spirit upon Israel, but not before. In the meantime, we need to be alert. We need to wake up to the fact that Jesus Christ is returning and that time is short. And we need to be praying for the peace of Jerusalem. And there's so many verses saying, pray for peace of Israel. And the one that popped up in my mind is, you know, there's one that says, we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. This May dog and hot dog and all them other dogs is going to come against Israel. It's not those people, but it's Satan. It's the prince, the prince of the air right now who has control. And the church has fallen. The church has failed in its duty to stand up and pray, be watchmen on the wall, to pray against this. So, you know, it's just kind of not impressed on me is we need to pray for the peace of Israel, but not only that, but for this nation. Because this nation is the one that stood up and put Israel where it is. And if we fall, if this nation falls, these crazy people that got in government now, it's all gone. It's going to be over with. So I think we need to pray for not only Israel, but for our nation to get back to where we need to be and put God back in control here. That we can stand up and do what we need to do over there. Like, I told my wife whenever this lady called about the air conditioner. If God wanted us to help that lady with that air conditioner, he would give us the money to help her. He didn't give it to us. But he did give us a spiritual authority to stand up on his word and believe to protect Israel. You know what I'm saying? That's what I feel in my spirit. We need to pray for our nation. Lord, you said, Heavenly Father, just like he read, that our nation 
is a life. We are a beacon. And the church, Heavenly Father, is the source of that life. We are the oil for that life to burn. But Lord, we've gone and that allows it to go out. We've let it get dim. And Lord, you said that, Father, we can't come to you unless you draw us. So we need you, Heavenly Father, to pour out your anointing in this nation, Lord. To bring your church back to where it needs to be. To repent of its sins. To put away its false gods, Lord. And to turn to you, Heavenly Father. We ask you to forgive us, Lord. You said, Father, that we would humble ourselves and pray that you would heal our land. So we do that now, Father. We come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who died for all our sins. And we ask you for forgiveness, Lord. We ask you to draw up your watchmen in this nation, Lord. Bring up your people. Draw them up, Lord. Fill them with the Father and the Holy Ghost. And give them wisdom and understanding how to pray against the Prince of the Air, Lord. That this nation can stand back where it used to be. That we can take that, fulfill that role that you have called us to and destined to protect Israel, to pray for Israel, and to help them when these other nations come against them. Father, we can't not do anything about our own. We can only do what you allow us, Father, and what you have called us to do. And Father, as we say, connected to the vine, that you would feed us, you would give us wisdom, you would give us understanding how to do these things. But Lord, we pray for our leaders and ask you to move upon their hearts. And to turn them back to you, Father. You turn the hearts of the flesh back to you. And the hearts of the fathers back to the children, Lord. If you turn them hearts around, Lord, and bring these men back to a realization, men and women, back to a realization, Father, this is a godly country, that we were based upon your word, and we live by your word. That's the only way we can prosper and do the things that you called us to do. So we just ask you to do these things, Father, not for our sake, but for yours and for Israel's. In the name of Jesus, Father. We thank you and we give you all the glory and honor to it all. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
sense his presence. Amen. And I do. This is the place where love found. This is the temple. Jehovah God likes you. We're standing in his Sherry to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for just ushering them into your presence, right into the throne room of grace right now. Let them feel your presence around them right now. Just touch them, Lord. Touch them. Let them know. Let their testimony be when they see Sia. John say, oh, something happened while y'all were at church. Man, the joy of the Lord came upon us and we felt his healing power. You guys must have been praying for us. Because we are, Lord. We lift them up to you and we just thank you, Lord, for healing them everywhere they hurt. Take away everything that's not of you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we command their bodies to be restored and made whole. And I ask that you continue to minister their minds and hearts. Help them to see themselves completely healthy, blessed, and whole, and prosperous in every way. Healed everywhere they hurt. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, happy birthday. <laughs> I'm not losing it. 
I was the other day, though, a little bit. Because <laughs> I got to tell you all something. I got that, I got that COVID shot. And uh, my personal feelings about that are not uh, really important. The Lord has protected everyone in this church ever since we've been here. No one ever got it. No one will. In Jesus' name. And for my own reasons, uh, I got the shot out of love. Um, And I just said, well, the Lord protected me from the virus. He'll protect me from the shot. But that dadgum thing, (laughs) the second dose, had me driving the other day to the wrong customer's house to pick up a contract. (laughs) Thankfully, I called him on the way and said, well, this is not our appointment today. <laughs> okay. I went home, put together the right file, and went, got a bigger and better contract. <laughs> but man, from that driveway, I said, uh, I, I, I texted the office and uh, the people that worked with me there and Tavana. I said, Just pray for me. I, uh, I'm a little loopy right now. And uh, I feel like I got hit by a truck, but it's making me mad at the devil, so watch out. <laughs> once I knew that they were praying for me, I was fine. I got on home, and but man, <laughs> but I'm not out of it today. Today is the day of Pentecost, folks. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Pentecost means 50. I love the five, you know, that's the number for grace. Ten is God's perfection. So God's perfect grace. Pentecost came 50 days after Easter. Remember last week I told you that we had Ascension Day, 40 days. The Lord appeared amongst men after he was resurrected. And then 10 days later was the day of Pentecost. When the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, who we talked about last week. That message bless you last week? You learned some things about the Holy Spirit? Did you ever know he had a self-portrait in here, a whole chapter? That he put in here that was a picture of himself? Genesis chapter 24. The Holy Spirit came. The apostles and the other believers who were waiting in that upper room in the book of Acts. And so today is the birthday of the church. Amen. Nobody can tell you exactly how old it is. Because they got scientists and theologians in the mix. And they screwed it all up. (laughs) And so they have the Lord Jesus Christ. Being born somewhere between 4 and 6 B.C. Before Christ. Okay. Never mind. Anyway, I have an idea, and uh, I'll just keep that to myself. But we're not to the 2,000-year mark yet, but I, I believe I know approximately when that will be. And I also know, because of uh, the time of year that the early harvest uh, celebrations took place, uh, I know uh, approximately the time of the year that it will happen course no one knows the hour of the day jesus gave his great commission in matthew chapter 28 if you recall 
before he departed this earth. Matthew chapter 28. I'll just read verses 19 and 20 to you. I think that's where it's at. And Jesus, I'll go to the 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I like that part because who did he give it to? Oh, personal. I like that. Make it very personal. He gave it to me. He gave it to you. Amen. Go therefore under that power, under that authority. Amen. That's what he's talking about. Go therefore and make disciples. Go make converts. Go get them to say a prayer. Get them dumped. He said, go make make disciples of all nations. I love John. (laughs) Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. Thank you, Lord. To the end of the age. That's the end of the church age that we were just talking about before. And then we'll be with him. Amen. Amen. He gave that great commission. But you know, they weren't allowed. These guys have been with him for three and a half years. They knew more about Jesus. They were better prepared than anybody in the world to go and talk about him. Share their experience. He said, don't even think about it. Don't go anywhere. Don't do anything Until the promise comes from the Father, the Holy Spirit. That's what they were waiting for in that upper room. And he came in a big way, didn't he? In Acts chapter 2. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, or had fully come, I like that in the... King James, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues. See, it filled the whole place corporately and then it came individually like divided fire tongues appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Praise God. I'm going to stop there because I'll keep reading. And i got a little ways to go here. Now, remember I was talking about potential and purpose last week. So they had potential already. They knew their purpose. But now... They had the power to go with it. You see this, our IT department, all these great recording devices we have here in our IT department, great potential, power, I mean purpose, but they don't have any power until you put the, the battery source to it, amen? So they had the power, amen. So let's talk about today, I want to talk to you about your witness. Our witness as as the church, as individuals, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, I'm just going to ask you to humor me without a theological debate for the moment and agree with me that our purpose is to know God the Father 
and His Son, Jesus Christ, and to glorify Him with our lives, and to build the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. All right. I'm led to look at an early believer today um, to be our, our inspiration and example to all of us. Amen? My wife tells me, just show me a picture. <laughs> it's something I can see. So I try to paint a picture. So if you indulge me, I'm going to read with you Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. You can put your finger there and in John chapter 1. But, but keep, your, keep your ribbon in, in, Acts, in the book of Acts, okay? So go back to Matthew chapter 4, because you might think this was something it wasn't. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. I'm just going to say this as a refresher to you, because you, you've heard it before. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, that's Jesus... He saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father, and followed him. All right. I want to tell you, first of all, this wasn't their first encounter with Jesus. A lot of people think it was, but it wasn't. Okay? So let me show you John chapter 1. You know, with me? John chapter 1, verses 40. And 41 says this, one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew. Okay, there were disciples of John the Baptist first. One of the two that heard, I don't want to read more than that. I can back up a little bit if you want. Maybe I will, a verse or so. John chapter 1, verse 40 just to make sure we drive our point home. Um, we'll go back to 35. The next day, again, John, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. There he goes. That's the one. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them follow them and said, What are you seeking? One version says, What do you want? Yeah. And I always thought it was pretty cool because they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said, Well, come and you'll see. <laughs> follow me, you're gonna find out where I where I live. <laughs> So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew. You see? 
So he was a disciple of John. He, he was with John the day that John called out Jesus as the Lamb of God. And then he said, okay, I'm going to follow him. And so and that's when, when he had met him. Anyway, it, that, should, that kind of blessed me to, to see that and to know that. So I wanted to show it to you. <clears throat> One of the two heard John speak. I'm going to read this. Verse 40. And followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon's Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah. So Peter went, so Andrew went to Peter and he said, We found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Now, Peter was a great man of God, wasn't he? I don't think anyone would, would doubt that. He preached a sermon on the day of Pentecost, didn't he? I talk about it often because I mentioned the fact that it undid the curse. The day the law was given to Mount, at the foot of Mount Sinai, 3,000 people died. The day the Holy Spirit came and the church was born, 3,000 were added. The reverse of the curse. Amen. Amen. Read with me in Acts chapter 2, verses 14. Well... That's going to be very long. Let me just read a little bit of Peter's great sermon that day. Because they were accusing them of being drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning because they had the Holy Ghost. And uh, I, think, uh, I think there's still some, some areas of the body of Christ that would still accuse you of some things. And they're wrong. <laughs> it's too late to unscramble these eggs, okay? I used to say the same thing. Matter of fact, when I started coming to know the real truth, I thought I was a Christian for most of my life, and then I found out I wasn't. It really scared me. If you read my book, you'll understand what I'm talking about. I started off my book by saying I've been ba- I was baptized a couple of times, once drunk, but all I got was wet. <laughs> But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then he rebuked them. He went on and he he preached this beautiful message and he pricked their hearts and they asked him what they needed to do and he said, repent 
We know you did it in ignorance. Just repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus. Be baptized. And 3,000 were saved that day. Boy, I just saved you all about 40 verses. You proud of me? I just want to impress upon you some of the things that Peter did in his ministry. He healed a lame man at the gate of the temple, didn't he? You remember that? That day, as a result of that, the church came to about 5,000. That's in Acts chapter 3. He raised Dorcas from the dead. Tabitha. That's in Acts chapter 9. So hard not to share these things. I hope you'll go and look them out. Look them up and study them out again. Just remind yourself of these beautiful things that Peter did. He introduced Christianity to the Gentiles. Although it turned out to be Paul's great ministry, to me the greatest man of God that I've read about, just to me, but Peter did sort of reluctantly introduce Christianity to the Gentiles. And that's in Acts chapter 10 at Cornelius' house, remember? And they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Peter was like, wow, well, I guess it's for everybody. And he was right. Thank God. In Acts chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, it says, So that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. He walked in that same power Jesus did. The same thing that's available to you and me. Amen. Peter wrote two books in this Bible. A lot of people attribute a lot of uh, Mark to him, influence on Mark. So he probably had a lot of lot to do with Mark writing that book because there's things in there Mark probably wouldn't have known if he didn't ask Peter and the way they were written might have came from Peter but anyway he had a lot to do with the writing of the Bible we know he was a big character he, he did so many wonderful things turned the world right side up along with those others and he was martyred for this work for the kingdom of God he was crucified upside down Alongside his wife. He asked him to do it that way. He said he didn't feel. This is what history tells us. Not the Bible. I must make that clear. But he told them. That he didn't want to be crucified. In the same way that Jesus was. He didn't feel worthy. So they did it upside down. But beside his wife. She was crucified as well. 
Peter did a lot of great things for the kingdom of God, obviously. But I'm not talking about Peter today. Did you think I was? Forgive me, I was did that on purpose. But I'm really not talking about Peter today. I'm talking about Andrew. Most people, most of us, we're not going to do the things that Peter did in this life. I hope you do. I believe with you. I still believe i got a lot to do. If all the prophecies spoken over me come to pass, which I believe they will, then there's still a lot left to do. But, most Christians aren't going to do everything that Peter did. Can we just agree on that? You may not be the evangelist like Reinhard Bonnke who goes and tries to get a whole continent saved. <laughs> he did put a pretty good dent in Africa, didn't he? Thank God. I had the pleasure of spending some time with him. He was a great man. We're not all Reinhard Bonkies. We're not all Billy Grahams. We're not all Andrew Womacks. We're not all Smith Wigglesworths. Charles Spurgeons. But look at Andrew, the brother of Peter. He was the first one to share his faith with someone and bring them to Jesus. It happened to be his brother, Peter. And Peter... Who did do, as I've just shown you, lots of lots of great works for the kingdom of God. Became a great apostle. But Andrew, he's going to share in every single reward that Peter receives on the day that we receive our rewards from the Lord. Do you know that? He will. I can show you in the Bible. I can prove that to you. You may not shake up the world like Peter did. But God's called you to share your faith with others the same way that Andrew did. That's all. Start right there. Start right there. The next person that you tell about Jesus... Could be another Peter. Amen. You need to tell someone about Jesus. That's where your happiness and your peace and your joy are going to come from. Andrew never stopped. Talking about Jesus. You know, there's, there's a thought that you need to remember. I think Brother Churchill touched on it, but the world is not, the people aren't your enemies. We're not friends of the world. The world is not your friend, but it, the world is run by Satan and his, and his demons, right? We love the people here. Even when they're deceived, 
That's what sets us apart from the world. The world loves those that are good to them. We see people, we should see them as sheep without a shepherd, as deceived, as ignorant of the truth. The fact is, the world doesn't read the Bible. The world reads Christians. What's it saying when they read you? And you never did stop talking about Jesus, even after Jesus was ascended. In John 12, 22, if you remember, Andrew was still bringing people to Jesus. He, this was when he was alive. But he brought Greeks. He said he brought some Greeks to Jesus in the temple. He was still just finding people that were seeking or needed to hear the truth. And he was, you've got to come meet this Messiah. You've got to come meet this. You know, Jesus is too good to keep a secret. When you really know him and you fall in love with him and you see how wonderful and faithful and good he is, he, he, the last thing you want is for anyone to miss out. I never forget when I really got born again, I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. It scared me a lot because I always thought I was a Christian, like I said, and I wasn't. And when I realized I would have missed God, I was like, man. Wait till everybody hears about this. And you know, I found out they just weren't that excited like I was most of them. A lot of rejection. A lot of persecution, really. If you're not getting persecuted for your faith in Jesus, it's because you and the devil are traveling in the same direction. (laughs) Even old dead flesh fish can float downstream takes a lot of effort to swim up against the current John 22 he brought those Greeks to Jesus but even after Jesus went home to be with the Lord Andrew kept on sharing him with others he gave up his family he gave up job security Even his country in later life, we read in history. History tells us that maybe 30 years or so later, between the age of 50 and 55, Andrew was martyred as well. He was crucified for his faith. Some I, did, I looked it up yesterday, and it was hard to figure this out, but it was about 1,800 miles, just a little less than 1,800 miles from home. If he, if he walked all the way around, he could have gone by boat. But that was in Patras, which is in Greece. They crucified him. That's a long way from home for a, that little fisherman boy. I guess he just started talking about Jesus and never stopped walking. He went a long ways just to keep telling people, I've found the Messiah. How about you? How about me? Told you I was going to be brief today. That message 
it hit me hard. It was simple, and I love that. Because you know how I usually stay up half the night on Saturdays? <laughs> Some reason the Lord loves spend a message with me all week and then on Saturday night about bedtime he says okay well, no, I got something different <laughs> and so so I usually drag in here with a couple few hours sleep having had a blast with the Lord all night he didn't do that to me yesterday I've had a long week and he he started talking to me about this in the morning and about five o'clock I was settled and this is all I needed to say I hope it made an impact on you like it has me. I love you all and uh, and the Lord loves you. But when he went home, he said it's finished. It, he wasn't finished with our work. He was finished with his. And he needs you, believe it or not. This is a wonderful time to be alive and be a part of the body of Christ whether you know it or not Father thank you for your love thank you for your truth thank you for the simplicity of your grace and mercy and the gospel which is the good news thank you Lord that we understand your truth because grace without truth will lead us into the things we shouldn't get into but truth apart from grace is overwhelming and it's too big a burden. It would kill us. So thank you, Lord, for giving us both. <laughs> thank you for the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, though. And thank you for reminding us that you don't need us to defend you everywhere. You just need us to lift you up, to present you to folks. And let you do the fixing. We love you for that, Lord. Thank you that you fixed us. That you chose us. And saved us. And that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you for the beautiful people that you sent here, Lord. And I thank you that you continue to give me words of knowledge and wisdom. That I can continue to pray for them in every way. And that you will put a hedge of protection around them and that you will guide them into all truth and purpose and power and peace and love. In Jesus' name, amen.